this is not Joe Pesci. And uh, maybe you're listening to the assholes, maybe you're not. With Jamie and that stuttering fucking prick, Pete. Hey, Pete, why don't you go get your fucking shine box, huh? Yeah, fucking put a hole in the back of your head, you fucking stunard. Welcome to Sassholes the Podcast, a podcast where me and Pete, Pete say hey. Hey. Share our, uh, discuss our 60 years of experience in the software as a service industry. Um, today, we are going to elaborate on what we talked about last week, where where Alex Nagivan was our guest. He was a great guest, and he sort of um, hint, he sort of gave in, indications on how Pete, when he ran a sales organization, was really focused and clear on ma- uh, on metrics and, and his matrix. And so we thought we'd ex- uh, expound on that. So that's going to be the topic today on, on metrics of running an inside sales team and, and how you need to be clear and concise with that stuff and, and the issues or concerns you may or may not have with that. Before we get started, though, um, Pete does our uh, joke of the day. So, Pete, why don't you get started with the joke of the day? Well, Carney, you may have heard this one before, but I'll give it a shot. What kind of beverage is hard to swallow? Oh, which one? Reality. See, see what I did there? Yeah. Actually, it's what you did there. Well, you actually changed it. I, I believe I said, what type of tea is hard to swallow? And it's reality. And you changed it to beverage, which made it more difficult. I didn't know if you were going with my joke or not. All right. I'll edit that out in post. Okay, so now shout outs. Pete, you've got some shout outs, I believe. I like to shout out for you for recommending that people leave us some comments on our blog at salesholes.net and smashing that like button on Facebook. Ain't that right, Carney? I forgot to call that out. Yes, please do. Boom, boom, boom. And then, of course, there's our sponsor, NeuroNoodle. They got a 50% coupon out there for brain maps, neuronoodle.com. Just mention Carney and they'll take off 5%. All right. Shout outs. You said Carney. Do you, have, do you have one? Do you have a, you have one to start with? Um, the shout out I was going to give was to uh, Frances Ebe. She uh, just became VP of product at smart recruiters. I worked with her. She was um, working on the product side in uh, the EMEA in the UK. And I used to work with her quite a bit when we would go over there on the niche boards. Um, so congrats to her on taking on that uh, position. Way to go. Mine is J- uh, John Lagatuda. Got a new gig as director of financial planning and analysis at Lags Medical Centers. He was a kid that started off the street and sales snot nose and worked, worked his way up. Way to go. Uh, another shout out in my network, John Katz. I know he was, uh, he just took on the CRO position at life working co-working. So congrats to John. I'm, I'm changing over there. How about that? Interesting. Cobbins, Travis Cobbins have a happy birthday a few days ago. How about Ben Koontz there, Carney? Oh, yeah, Ben Koontz. So I did text with him. So he just took on a new position. Um, so congrats to Ben on uh, what, what it's slipping my mind. What, what company did he just move to? That is sales at Jobcase. Jobcase, that's right. Yeah. So congrats to uh, Mr. Koontz. Um, hope all is well. 
And I got one last one here. Uh, another snot-nosed kid that worked his way up. Uh, Joe Farnsworth starting new position as owner at the Weekend Dad. Yeah, so he still works at the current company he's at. This seems to be a side project where it's a Weekend Dad website coming that as well inside that. Interesting. For you. Do you... Do you know this individual at all, Mr. Carney? I, I do know. I, I believe you and I have talked about him. <laughs> Way to go, Farnsworth. Way to knock it out. Yes. All right. So now I know we're going to um, skip right into our, because uh, you handled the commercial already, neuronoodle.com. I was sort of out of order and I apologize. So let's skip right into it. You know, I think one of the compelling things and, and nuances in our last podcast was how Alex Nagivan um, who was our guest worked for you. And, and one of his comments was he stated in the four months he was working for you as a, as a new rep before he transferred over under me, which was a blessing for him, I'm sure. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, <laughs> before he worked for you, he made a comment and, and you could have taken it as a negative. He goes in those four months, he was put on plan and also promoted within that four or five month time frame, he was under you. And at first, when he told us that, I think you were sort of like, oh, oops. Um, but the reality was he said he was very appreciative of it. You were clear, concise, and it, there was there was numbers to hit. He did not hit the numbers uh, on one month, got put on plan and uh, just knew what he needed to do to get off plan. And not only did he get off plan, but he figured out the game and got promoted. Um, and then I snagged him away from your group. But I think that's something that we should probably dive into, Pete, is one of the things you have a ton of experience leading an inside sales team. In fact, not just leading an inside sales team, but creating an inside sales team for scratch. So when you're doing an inside sales team, what are the key things that you think um, – need to be implemented from the onset um, with that team? Well, differentiation. I mean, you have to know who is quote unquote better than who's better than, uh, than, than the others. Cause like you said, Hey, you want to add some people to your team? Well, how are you going to know who to add on? Oh, you can take the person that had the most sales last month, but if they, they, had, they haven't done any work in the last 90 days, that means that that was their best month and they're going to slide downhill you know, afterwards. So I think you have to have some type of system in place that, that waits the, the results have been put on the board and then the results that are going to show in, in revenue in the next two or three months so or a year. When we were in the office, you know, I remember uh, walking on your floor and there was stuff always written on every single whiteboard around Right. So you would say keeping score and using these metrics and, and updating them. Would you update those daily or were those updated monthly or weekly? Well, we do a, a rep of the month or a ranking because generally salespeople are competitive, at least, the, you know, the good ones are. And things that we looked at were. Now, the, the acronyms could be different at, at other companies, but NCV or net contract value to me is what you know, what what did they sell? right? What did they sell? What's their percentage to quota? Where do they rank against their peers against percentage of quota? And then what do you want them to sell? What do you want to focus their time on? Because 
you know, at software companies, you have different types of products there. You know, back, you know, back in the day when we were transforming from an advertising business to a software business, you know, we wanted to track how many software deals somebody was selling, right? So you would rank how they compare, how many deals did they sell versus their peers. Then, then we also looked at, uh, you know, how many proposals written, right? Everything in Salesforce, how many proposals did you set out there? And then how many, how many came in and, and closed? So you, you would rank all that stuff. And getting, getting back to what I said before, it's what have you sold now? Okay, great. And then what work have you put in? How many proposals have you put out there? How many set appointments have you done? Whatever the, the metric is, because depending on your sales cycle, if it's 90 days, okay, that's one thing. And like your business, that could be a year, right? Mm-hmm. You have to determine, you know, what, what that is. Because you want to project what the future uh, revenue is going to be. And then you, you, you stack rank everybody. You find out who's the best. And then you can put the results on a, on a matrix where you have an X-axis and a Y-axis. We'll put this up on the website later. Um, but basically want to know is how hard is somebody working? So what does hard mean? That means proposals put out there. It could be dials. It could be sets. Um, whatever the activity is, that's going to turn it in future money. And then what are the results that have come in for that month? So it could be, you know, revenue, it could be invoicing, depending on what your business is. So let's just say if you're in the uh, top right access where you have people that it helps when you look on the website and see this, you have somebody that is working very hard, has a lot of proposals out there and has sold a lot of business. They'll be in the upper right quadrant, right? That's what you want. And we would label that quadrant uh, discipline freedom. Those are the people that, you know, they're running their own business. We, we as leaders just remove the obstacles, leave them alone. Okay. Now the direct opposite of the upper right quadrant, you would have the lower left quadrant, which be, which would be people that don't have any results and are, don't aren't putting any work in. So you have, you haven't sold anything and you haven't picked up the phone or sent an email. Okay. Why should I keep you on board? Those are the, the pit people, low work and low results. Do I, do I have you so far, Carney? You do. Okay, great. Now, new people that would come on board, you would find them in the upper left quadrant, which means that they would put a lot of work in and they wouldn't have a lot of results, right? Okay. So you have a lot of proposals sent out, a lot of uh, uh, set appointments, run appointments, however you uh, call it at your business. You can live with that because you know in the future, depending on your sales cycle, that's going to turn into revenue unless it's fake. All right. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. So the upper left quadrant, you know, those people, hey, they're new. Keep an eye on, on them. Maybe more role plays. I mean, it's a skills issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bottom right quadrant. Those are the people that are putting up results, but not a lot of work. Those are the vets. Those are the people that unmotivated a little bit. Well, I mean, motivated is oh. God, that's that's such you know, if if they're putting if they're making their numbers, meaning their quota, 
you know, what are you going to do? But you as a leader, it's like something's, these people have the skill, but they don't have the motivation. When they first started the company, they're all fired up. Oh my God, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to slaughter everything. Okay, great. Now they make a lot of calls, a lot of contacts, but they don't sell a lot. Now they know what they're doing. They just don't have that same motivation as when they first started. Because when they first started, maybe, maybe they want to get out of their parents' basement, mm-hmm. you know, whatever their, their goal is. So those people, that's a goals issue. Okay. High results, low work. That's kind of a challenge of a, a leader of, you know, what, what does this we, person want? Because how do we make them tick? Right. Yeah. How do you make them tick? Right. So, and that's kind of where the one-on-ones come in. That's where the re- quarter reviews, annual reviews, whatever it is, the check-ins. But what you'll find out is the life cycle of a rep with this matrix, um, they'll start in the upper left quadrant They'll go into the upper right quadrant. So they'll work really hard, no results. Then they'll get a lot of results and a lot of work. Then they'll fall into results and low work. And then they'll get into the left quadrant, no results, no work, and PIP. And it's like a cycle. And when you have hundreds of people to keep an eye on, it really shows you who to keep an eye on. Yeah. And you so you'd almost same- say it goes counterclockwise when you see the graph. You'll know what I'm talking about. Say though, uh, right? actually, it's it's clockwise. Oh, that is. I'm doing. I'm doing my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm. I guess I'm dyslexic when I'm spinning my. Finger. Well, you know, this is audio, and it'll help when you see it on the site. Yes. But wouldn't um, people though also? Wouldn't there be people that go up into the upper left core? Uh, 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 square and then they maybe it's just not working maybe they're they just can't get it some of those people will retreat right back down into the bottom right where yeah those are those are the people that just it's just sales isn't for them you know that's an oops you know that's a that's an hr uh issue there, there there should be some deal between sales and hr where if they made a bad hire hire how long does it take to move the person along? Because, I mean, you did put the person on your team, so you have some responsibility. The question is, how long are you going to give it before you have to move them along? Yeah, before you move on. Sometimes it's six weeks. Sometimes it's a quarter. You know, as soon as you can get that person out, you know, it's, if you can ask yourself the question, hey, would I hire this person again? The answer is no, you got to move the person along. But you have to give them a, a swing at the plate. Now with this now, matrix, yeah, go ahead. Or I think this matrix is great. And I think there's one part. So this is the matrix from when you're starting up uh, an inside sales team um, at a company. Now, I think there was another layer that you sort of added when we were at a company that was converting from you know transactional ad sales to software sales. And wouldn't you almost put another matrix on top of that, whereas you know, maybe the people with high activity and are, 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 are up in the upper right-hand corner, if they're only selling, you know, the advertising products and we want to transform into a software, wouldn't you then in a way redefine that and move them almost down to the bottom right and say they're getting there, they're high productivity, maybe they're high activity, they're just not doing what we as a company want to move towards? Right. 
You following? You know me on that? that? Yeah. You know, and then that kind of gets into the compensation plan. Um, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you want them to sell, right? If you really want them to sell software and you have two products, then I would focus on one product. If somebody, wh- whatever product is the hardest to sell, that's the one that you pay the most to be a part of, right? Well, you could do the it two that, different ways, right? I think you could do it with a comp plan or in this case, you don't want a lot, a lot of people, what did you say the shelf life was two years in this type of environment after two full annual cycles, they got to, they got to move on somewhere else. Right. Cause I'm going to burn out. Well, it takes them six months to get fully ramped up. Right. Yeah. So it's incremental. They don't get to be a true FTE full-time employee till, you know, six months in, and then, uh, a full year on the job, right? So it's in that first six months that you have to make sure, depending on your sales cycle, that the work is being put in and you have to recognize it. You would have a lot of reps get really pissed that, hey, I'm number one in sales. You know, why am I ranked so low? And that's because, you know what? In two months, you're not going to be the number one ranked rep because you don't have the activity coming in that's going to turn into revenue in two months and you try to be ahead of those things right mm-hmm. so the other thing you can do with this is you can rank the leaders the same way right because you, mm-hmm. you can have a you can have a, a leader that has new reps you can have a leader that has experienced reps you can uh, compare them separately or or together um, and you can wait it. And it, it really helps when you say, Hey, I want to add somebody to my team. Okay. Let me look at the stack ranks, but let me look at the next level down. What does this person have in the funnel that once you take them on, that they have business that can support, I would assume you would pay them a higher salary. You would, uh, pay them a higher full-time, you know, compensation, their pay at risk would go up. But if, all that is going to go up on the expense side, then more revenue has to come in to pay for it. Right. So you want to make sure these people have the pipeline to, uh, to pay for themselves. Now back to the compensation side, I think what I was saying is you can pay people to hit their quota and, and pay them in accelerators and all of that stuff. Once they exceed their quota, right. When you're transforming another way of compensation in certain ways is promotions, like maybe somebody in their quota and somebody else is close to them, but they did it with software, not with advertising sales. Another way to compensate the right behavior is you promote somebody who might not be ranked as high on the quota attainment, but they're ranked higher in the software sales. That is a way, isn't that another way of compensating the right behavior? rather than you, make it explicit. Cause sometimes comp plans get so bottled down with complexity that it's impossible for understand. And I think promotion. Well, that's kind of where I was going with it is if, you know, if I could go back in time, I would just have a software team and that's it. But you had this advertising business that was, you had to transform that into software, right? Yeah. So it was morphing. Um, there aren't a lot of morphing businesses out there or disruptions maybe you can think of some, but it would start with, it'd be like a, you have a rep coming in off the street 
and you would rank them based. Uh, here's what I'm just going off of my notes from a couple of years ago, and this still can hold today. Dial sets, dollars closed, right? Yep. And you do that for six months, you move up to the next level of rep, then you get ranked on percentage to quota, new business, run appointments. Then we had software deals and proposals. Because if you want people to move up to everything's software now, right? That's why we're the SaaS holes, but it could yeah. be you have a new product launch, a new vertical launch, you know, to show aptitude that you can take, take on new products and sell them. You would want to keep an eye on that. Yeah. I would think it's very rare nowadays for it to be so transformative of what we were trying to do at one point, which was moving from ad to search. Um, well, it's, it's very nowadays well, you go, though. I, yeah, go ahead. Well, you, you're going from a transactional because you would have a buyer that would buy, you know, depending on the recruitment and the, the unemployment rate, they buy six times a year, 12 times a year, one time a year. Right. And you would get them into a, in a, in a product where you just sell them once a year or once every two years. Right. Or three or five, you know, when you get into software. So um, it's, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of companies out there to have to worry about something like that. But the point is, if you, if you have, if you want more out of, if there's a product that you want to be sold, you have to pay it differently or you have to recognize differently. If you don't pay it, if you don't mess with the comp plan, then you have to mess with the recognition. Okay. Reps want to know where, where they stand. And if you can do that once a month, you know, I've heard a lot of people that don't like differentiation, you know, they like Kumbaya, they, you know, it, that, that, that's really hard to do with a sales team. It's really, it's really hard. Carney, it's, yeah. I think, I think nowadays though, the transformative play is, you know, software, you know, three, four five, maybe even longer, six years ago was primarily sold as a, a perpetual on-prem software. Meaning that um, when you sold someone some hardcore software, you would hand them almost like a, a, a CD-ROM and say, here's the software or here's the video, yeah. we'll install it. And now we're moving to software as a service and that's become primary. I would say those transformations are happening all the time. Meaning how do we convert someone from a perp to a, 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 a subscription or software business. Why? Because of ARR, you know, and or right. revenue. Also, because when you have someone on a perp, they might have software that's 10 years old. When they're on a subscription or a cloud type of environment, they're getting your best foot forward at any given time. So it's a better chance of renewal, right? So those well, transformations it's... occur all the time right now. Well, the one thing we haven't talked about is with this different differentiation in the matrix, you can do it with success people, right? Because, you know, we're, we're talking about these, these reps here that are going to have to sell these deals. I mean, really what they're doing is they're selling it once and they're moving it on to somebody else, right? Somebody's got to make sure that it works to the expectations. That's where the success people come in and somebody's got to close a new deal. Um, you, I didn't see it. Now I've been away a couple of years, but I, I, I didn't really see the the success people getting paid 
in conjunction with the success that the client had on the site. I don't know if you see that now, Carney, but that I think was it's something- very difficult because there's two trains of thought with success people. You want them to be focused on making clients happy, right? But once you start paying them um, on something regarding renewal rates and or or adding on dollars and sale, now all of a sudden you get their behavior to change so that they're more focused on like getting more um, contract value from that customer or, or it sort of inflates the reality is you want to make sure your MPS score, uh, uh, net, net promoter score. Net promoter score, right. Yeah, That's kind of what I'm saying. Higher. That was something that I had in there as part of a ranking is what's, the, you know, would you recommend this rep to another, to, to your friend, right? So yeah. then again, you have, you know, how many people are answering the survey? You have all that stuff, but it's difficult to do that for a customer success rep because of that exact reason. It's not required that a client answer the NPS. It's also one bad client um, destroy a great CSM if they are purely paid on NPS. Um, sometimes the, the CSM is spending most of its time trying to make a client happy because they were sold something that they didn't need or overpromised at the sales, uh, at the initial sale. And then that CSM who might be a great CSM um, is working a, a troubled account. And, and if you paid them purely on NPS, that CSM would want to cut that current account from their book not work it at all, not try to take, would only want to take on happy customers at all times, um, which is sort of why it, I, I haven't seen it work where you can pay them purely on what their book of business is or what their NPS is from their their clients in aggregate. Well, it wouldn't be purely, but there has to be some objective data point that, look, in the small business world, yeah, you get one bad Yelp review and you're screwed, right? So I mean, small business people are figuring out, don't get that one bad review. They're very- Or they're paying Yelp to go put their own reviews in, right? I think that's illegal now. You can't do that. I mean, seriously- You used to be able to, and Yelp Yelp used to be able to pay to screen out your own reviews, and I think they got- Yeah, yeah. No, you can't. Now it's, you know, you have recommended reviews. Like a NeuroNoodle, you know, you, you get a bunch of uh, five stars, but they'll only show two that they recommend. You know what I mean? So it's, I, I guess my point is if, if the success person has some skin in the game or they're, how do you know one success rep is better than the other? Yeah, it's tough. So, it's anecdotal right now, right? I mean, I think you could do it from an MPS score for an overall region, but for the individual CSMs, I haven't figured out a way besides anecdotal. Well, Granted, maybe we're just not at scale. Maybe the areas where I've been either. Nah, we, we, we had something called the, uh, the engagement and that was just uh, engagement. Yeah. It was an objective data point that gave value to the client's account. Let's just say you, you bought this product and it brought in three more people to the business that you wouldn't have before. There's got to be some type of value to it. Okay. I think we gave a value to emails, to clicks and whatnot. 
And if if a client if a rep is keeping up with a, an account, it's going to make sure it's current, ads are fresh, and, and and so forth. It should get a better response than than an ad that doesn't. An ad that has a salary in there, you know, do you know stuff like that. So my point is, yeah. customer service people, um, you know, employees of the year in, in non-sales roles. I mean, how do you get objective data on that? Do you do internal surveys? No. Um, internal surveys, survey the client, you talk to the reps, you know, reps are always going to be involved, even if they're hunter reps, they're always in clients that they sold because, um, you know, when you find a, uh, a new sale, you can typically find more sales from that same client, either upsells or cross sells. So that rep is also keen to knowing what's going on in that account. And then the leaders, right? And then for the, uh, yeah. And you bring up the leaders, you know, another metric that we had that we were ranking the leaders on was uh, the reps could survey their boss each month and they would rank them based on different categories, right? Yeah. You know, would you, would you, would you want, would you want this person to be your leader, you know, next month, you know, yes or no, right? Um, and, what we would do is we would have these surveys and it would be kind of interesting where you would have a leader that had 12 months worth of experience get promoted and somebody in with two months experience come in. You really could see the difference in the dynamics of, oh, wow, the scores, the reps aren't happy. It's going to take a while to digest the new leader. Then in three months, you know, it should get back to, to where, where it was. Uh, but if you have uh uh, a rep that or a leader that uh, has a year of experience and is replaced with a leader with a year of experience and there's something drastically wrong it really gives you a quick heads up oh wow some some something's going on here there's there's a problem with the team um, if you're in a high transactional environment it's one thing if you're in a you know rep stand for three years you know, that's another thing, but it's good to have a little heat map to see what, where your trouble area areas are when you have, you know, thousands of reps and then you have hundreds of leaders, you know what I mean, Carney? Yeah. Yes. I think, Hey, another point that I think we want to iron out on this, this podcast is the strict guidelines to a new rep. Um, I think a lot of companies are afraid to adhere to strict guidelines. They might have them up there, but they don't have black and white, especially in the first six months to uh, a year. And I know you are a data-driven sales leader that is, it's black and white when you first start because we're just trying to teach skill. And Alex complimented you a lot on that. Do you want to speak a little bit to that? Like well, why first of all, and, and you should be very firm? Well, you have to have history uh, on your side. Let's just say, how do you know how many dials a rep should make? Okay, well, let's just say you throw a contest with a decent prize. You do it for a month and you look at the activity that was done. You take two thirds of whatever that activity was for the contest. And that should be what the quota is for, for a rep to do when there, when there isn't a contest. Does that make sense? So you can yep. point to something and say, hey, look, man, 
you did 2000 dials last month for this contest. I'm asking you to do 1500 without the contest, right? Cause you have the capability to do it if you're motivated and when you can point at stuff like that. And then when you take all the, all the reps that come in off the street in the first 90 days, and you can show what they're capable of doing, you have something to point to. If you're just picking a number out of the hat, it's hard to have integrity. Okay. When they come in on board, we, you give them all the bad news up front. This is what the job is. You have them shadow. You have a meet a rep that's pissed at you and you have a, have a meet a rep that's happy with you so they can see both sides. And then when they come on board, they know what the numbers are. And if, and if they do it great, they stay on. If they don't, here's the performance improvement plan, the PIP try to get you going. And if it, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's nothing personal. It just isn't for, for everybody. When you interview, you know, people will say whatever they want to get the job. Then it's like, Oh my God, this is what the job really is. Two separate things. Yeah. I think also what's key to that component there, Pete is leader quota setting, right? Because you want to be able to set them a quota where they have enough flexibility where uh, dropping one or two reps and replacing them and starting them over, you know, on a new ramp um, is built in the, the, the quota setting for that inside sales leader so that sales leader can make decisions on, uh, on, on bad perfor- on performers that just aren't going to make it, that said everything in the interview, but when they got here, they're just not cutting it you need to figure out a way to write that quota in a way so that that sales leader isn't going to be punished for making the right decision for the company and restarting uh, with somebody new on ramp yeah, but, rather but, than. Yeah. But who did that leader allow the person on the team? Well, yes and no. That's what I'm saying. You need to have some flexibility. I don't think you have ultimate flexibility where they could just fire everybody and start them all over. But you need to build in, there's a like a plus one model, especially when you're dealing with higher end reps, where you maybe allocate everyone's quota out to them, but you give them the flexibility of one or two additional reps that is sort of their bench. They should always be interviewing. They should all, every week they should cut out a time to interview a potential candidate, even if they don't have an, uh, any openings on their team so that they can make the decision and say, you know what, I do have this poor performer that I'm just holding. And I just interviewed a person I think is a stud. I think it's best for the company that we hire the stud and put the poor performer on a pip because that poor performer might continue to be a poor performer. And then sooner or later, a poor performer ends up becoming a problem typically on a team because they're never cutting it. They're never making their money and they start complaining at the water and we're not in an office, right? So you need to give that leader some flexibility there. Not ultimate flexibility, so don't inter- misinterpret what. I'm well, saying. no, I mean you also got to track. Is that leader doing a bad job allowing people on their teams? I mean, if you're oh, the director responsible for that manager, you know, are you going to have? Are they going to? You're going to have to sign off on that person getting on the team. And if you have one leader that gets a high turnover in the first thirty days, I mean that's so dang expensive. You, you, you can't have that. You have to. You have to keep an eye on that. That's where the, the matrix, you know, comes in. The play. matrix there too, because for, for sales leaders or team leaders, you need to look at how many people hit quota and what's your turnover, right? Especially turnover during the movement side. 
when they're well yeah like i said the training costs go up i mean you can also tie this back to the training team Mm -hmm. you know it's if let's just say you have four trainers and uh you track the the reps that are coming on board you know and if they're terming out in 90 days you know there's got to be something going on with that with that trainer i think i think one thing that for new leaders out there one thing that Pete will profess, and you heard it before, be clear, let them see a path where they can get put on PIP and see a path to get them off PIP and let them be clear exactly how you got there. And now, and I don't think you can, uh, once you make that decision, I don't think, you know, you, you make it so that the people can, can fall on PIP, can get off PIP. PIP should not be seen as a uh, ultimate doomsday tool it should be seen as a motivational tool right but well, that's I think, the problem I mean, if if you have a leader that never gives anybody a pip till they absolutely have to get rid of them yeah. then it has a negative connotation of oh my god i got a pip and i'm, I'm getting fired in, in two days yeah you know it's you need to put people on pip i mean i think there should be a healthy amount of turnover in a sales organization there should also always be a healthy amount of pip in a sales organization um as long as you're using that pip for what it's for it's not a we're giving you 30 days to go find a new job basically or 60 days whatever your pip length is it's hey just trying to kick you in the pants saying you're not performing as everyone else and i need to either uh, you need to either step up and be part of and help me out or i need to go find someone else and there's no you know it's not personal as long as you're clear, concise on what they need to do and why they got put on PIP and it's not a surprise to them, nothing personal. They shouldn't take offense to it. And uh, they have two choices, you know, get off the pot or, or, uh, and, and start moving forward or, or just, uh, you know, walk out the door eventually. No, the, the job is doable. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's, it's either you do it or you don't do it. You know, here's the work that needs to be done that'll transform into revenue over a certain period of time. You take a week off, that's going to put you back a week. And yeah. in, in a ramp up situation, there is no weeks. Yeah. Tarny, that's uh, the matrix, my friend. The matrix is a great thing. So we'll have it out on the website. Um, once again, reach out. This is a, uh, one of our shorter ones. Um, but uh, oh, it's long enough. It's long enough. Yeah. Reach out to any topics. We have a ton of topics we've been um, asked to uh, discuss, but always reach out to us. You can find us on LinkedIn or just go to Sassholes or make any comments on the podcast when we deliver it. With that, <laughs> Pete, are we queuing hold music on, or do we got another uh, script? No, no. I Just a quick one before the music. Uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, somebody asked if we do any uh, coaching on the side. Yes, we do. Do we do any consulting on the side? Yes, the SAS holes do. Uh, reach out to uh, Peter Jamie at uh, SAS holes, S-A-A-S-H-O-L-E-S dot net uh, to inquire. And with that, Jamie, I'll cue the music and also cue Brian Mazzino. Hey, Pete, why don't you go get your fucking shine box, huh? Yeah, fucking put a hole in the back of your head, you fucking stunard.